Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you win the race Christ has marked out for you. One of the best insights I learned as a dad was the difference between authority and leadership. Authority coerces obedience through punishment or the threat of punishment. Leadership is the influence in a child's life that makes him or her want to obey our requirements and God's word. Now, as we saw last week, both are needed. Compassionate discipline is required to enable young children to internalize the truth that they cannot always have their way, the world does not revolve around them, and they must learn to say no to their impulses. But leadership, especially when kids are older, goes beyond the authoritative use of consequences. It makes kids want to follow the example of their dad. This episode examines how to love our kids well, which also increases our influence in their lives by building our love relationship with them. Thanks for joining us today for Season 2, Episode number 34 of Mission Focus Men for Christ. My name is Gary Yeagle, and this is the third episode in our four-part series for June, Lord, help me be a great dad. The influence we have in another's life is almost always directly related to the quality of our relationship with that person. That's true at home and in the workplace. For example, business consultant J.C. Staley found that resisting the direction of the leadership that they wanted to go in was the result of breakdowns in relationships. Here is what employees identified as the symptoms of relationship breakdown. Failure of management to give credit for suggestions. Failure of management to correct grievances, to listen. Failure of management to encourage. Management criticizing employees in front of other people. Management's failure to ask employees their opinions. Management's failure to inform employees of their progress toward goals. And management's favoritism. These symptoms reveal relational breakdowns also within the family. How can dads avoid such breakdowns and pattern our fatherhood after that of God? Let's look at three ways that God builds our love relationship with him with some practical ideas for how we can follow his example. First, God is a welcoming father. God is a father who, when we turn to him, runs to us with open arms. We see that truth about God's nature in the parable of the prodigal son. We read that the prodigal came to himself And then he says, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired hands. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. 
the welcoming love of our Heavenly Father gives us the foundation we need for emotional and spiritual strength. Paul reminds Christ followers of their status in the court of God when he says, You have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The word Abba that Paul chose was the word for dad or daddy instead of the word pater for father. Its connotation is affection, closeness, and dependency. Theologian J.I. Packer describes the relational implications of the doctrine of adoption that go beyond justification. He writes, justification is a forensic idea conceived in terms of law and viewing God as judge. But contrast this now with adoption. Adoption is a family idea conceived in terms of love and viewing God as father. In adoption, God takes us into his family and fellowship and establishes us as his children and heirs. Closeness, affection, and generosity are at the heart of the relationship. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is an even greater thing. That's from knowing God. We can project the message to our kids that we want closeness with them, that our heart is always welcoming for them in a couple of ways. Here are some suggestions. Number one, always be available to them as a priority over work. One of the former presidents of the United States, whose relationships with his adult children was exceptional, had a policy concerning his phone. No matter what high-level meeting he was attending in business or then later in the affairs of the world, they could always get through to him by phone. You may have to answer interruptions to your work differently, but the message you need to send is the same. You matter to me more than work. Here is a perspective on time for fathers. Number one, a child cherishes a father's presence above all else. Number two, you have a very short time in which to be the major influence in your children's lives. Number three, little time equals little influence. Number four, you can't buy back lost time. Number five, the world, deadlines, contracts, and so forth will always be there. Your children won't. Number six, you can almost never spend too much time with your family. Number seven, the thief in American homes today is too much phone time. Number eight, whatever intimacy parents and teens enjoy is almost always cultivated before the age of 12, rarely after it. Number nine, out of quantity time come the quality moments. Number 10, if you make time with children when they are young, there will be opportunities and even requests from them when they are older. The second way to send the message to our kids that we want closeness with them is to lead from our own brokenness. 
your kids probably already have you on a pedestal and feeling respected by them feels good to the masculine soul, let me tell you. Also, making it easier to lead them, it's also good to share your excitement and, you know, my excitement about our successes. But sharing our failures is what builds bridges into the hearts of others. This truth became especially clear to me at the close of a men's retreat on sexual purity some years ago. As the guys were asked what they had gotten out of the retreat, Bob sort of rose to his feet, struggling to speak through his tears. He said, I want to confess to you brothers that I need help with my internet pornography problem. I've only been married two years. I thought marriage would fix the problem, but it hasn't. Slowly, Sam stood to his feet. Brothers, I too have a major problem in this area. Then Bill stood to confess the same problem. Then Brian. And finally, the group started a support group. Struggling with many sins, especially lust, is too painful for our sons to even think about coming to us about. But by being vulnerable about our own temptations and failures with some discretion does send a powerful message. No matter how shameful your failure, my arms are always open to you because I need grace just as much as you do. The third way to communicate that our arms are always open and welcoming to our kids is to communicate tirelessly how precious they are to us, how much we enjoy them, how much we're interested in hearing about their lives and their world, how much we value their opinion on things. So we need to be welcoming dads. Second, we note that God is a father who takes the initiative to build the relationship. The Apostle John wrote, we love because God first loved us. God, our father and bridegroom, took the initiative to draw us to himself with the cords of love. He initiated. We responded. Here are two ways for dads to follow God's example of initiating. First is to go into our kids' world. The word became flesh and tabernacled among us. God does not comfort us from a distance. He is the great high priest, taking the ultimate step in compassion, imprisoning himself in a human body for the rest of eternity. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. The principle of fathers going into the world of their kids and the principle of incarnational ministry is a precious truth to me. When I was 16, I noticed a guy hanging out at our high school games with a bunch of my high school student government friends. He led some wildlife thing or something just for kids at my school. His name was John Hartsock. He was a Young Life leader. I wanted to go to Young Life because he had come into the world that mattered to me, my high school world. 
I believe that when we spend extra effort to go into the world of another, it sends the powerful message that we care about what matters to them. That concrete expression of love opened the door of my heart to see Christ's love in a deeper way through John's messages. Trying to follow this example of incarnation as a dad, I remember going to watch my son's tryouts for his middle school soccer team and noticing that there were no other dads there. Visiting my daughter, who worked as a clerk at CVS, and seeking permission of my son and the owner of an industrial lawnmower manufacturing company to get a tour of the plant that hopefully didn't embarrass him too much where my son was working. One of my closest friends, who is 77, has completed 162 straight days of Duolingo online learning Spanish because his daughter married a Spanish-speaking man whose English is limited, just to be able to better build a relationship with his son-in-law. That is incarnational love. That is telling his son-in-law that he matters to Bob. The second way we need to take the initiative to build our relationship with our kids is to take the initiative to schedule time together and put it in our schedule. That same friend learning Spanish began the practice of taking his son with him to ride all the best roller coasters in the best amusement parks in the country. Until my tribe reached high school, I met with a different one of my kids every Monday morning. Often it was for breakfast. Often it was to do something together like roller skate or learn tennis or go ice skating at a rink. There was something special back then about a date with dad. And even as a father to adults, it's still my responsibility to find the best way to invest enough time with my kids in a way that most benefits them even as they get very busy with their own families. I don't mean we should be dependent, codependent, or selfish, just that my commitment to recognizing the special significance of my role as the father of my children doesn't end until I no longer have the mental faculties to father them. Now, they may think that's happening sooner than I do, but... So God takes the initiative to build his relationship with his kids. The third way we need to follow God's fathering example is as a supportive father. We've seen that the term Abba is a special term for closeness, affection, and also dependency. The degree to which God the Son looked to God the Father for support as he faced the cross is revealed in Jesus' words, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. And then we read that going a little further, Jesus fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. The Father did not grant Jesus' request, but Jesus' anguished request reveals his confidence in the Father's unwavering love and support for him. This aspect of a father-child relationship may be the easiest and most obvious. Nevertheless, it's worth noting two ways that a father needs to provide this kind of strength and relational support for his children. The first is give affirmation. 
Listen to these words explaining the painful deficit to one child's heart, desperately starved of affirmation. The story, the backstory is that the wife of a very successful business owner who had died consulted psychologist Maxwell Maltz to find out why their son refused to have anything to do with taking over the business. The son explained, I would have loved to take over the family business, but you don't understand the relationship I had with my father. He was a driven man who came up the hard way. His objective was to teach me self-reliance, but he made a drastic mistake. He tried to teach me that principle in a negative way. He thought the best way to teach me self-reliance was to never encourage or praise me. He wanted me to be tough and independent. Every day we played catch in the yard. The object was for me to catch the ball 10 straight times. I would catch the ball eight or nine times, but always on that 10th throw, he would do everything possible to make me miss it. He would throw it on the ground or over my head, but always so I had no chance of catching it. This poor guy whose father had crushed his self-esteem grew up feeling like he could never please his father or ever measure up. The first of the podcasts in this month's Fatherhood series goes into more detail about the importance of supplying affirmation to the hearts of our children. That's this season, season two, June 6th, episode 32. The second way to be supportive as a father is to move toward our kids when they are experiencing pain without worrying about what we need to say to them. One of the most precious of my fatherhood memories took place on a long walk to a bus after a crushing defeat to end my son's high school football season and career. They were blown out in a second round of the playoffs by a better team, yet the way they lost by the linebackers, corners, and safeties being shredded was just a tough way to end the season. My son felt like he and the linebacking core had let the team down, especially the offense, And that emotion, along with it, this being his final game, just washed over his face. He was the leader of that year's team. He was the last to leave the field and walk 75 yards to the bus. One of my greatest joys as a dad was to just walk beside him to the door of the bus, saying nothing. God is a welcoming father a father who takes the initiative, and a supportive father. The more we follow his example, the more we build our love relationship with our kids. I'm not saying this is a panacea. Our kids have their own rebellious heart to contend with, and no one can change the heart but God. Nevertheless, our influence in our kids' lives is largely the result of the quality of our love relationship with them. So I want to close this episode with these words from a son whose father and mother did build a strong love relationship with him that mattered. It's the story of a man named Dan Huff. Dan writes, when I got to the point one time of saying, I'm going to rebel, I'm out of here, I can't deal with my folks. They don't know what they're talking about. I remember thinking very specifically, I can't rebel against them. They love me too much. And I hated him for that. Now, this may sound odd, but at that point, I couldn't rebel. 
I wasn't an angel, but I couldn't turn my back on that kind of love. I wanted to, and that's what made me angry. If there had been any flaws in the ways they loved me or any hypocrisy on their part, any dishonesty or patronizing from them, then I think I would have found my hole and escaped through it. But I just couldn't find that hole. Let me close with one statement that maybe says it all. My dad was the best man in all three of his son's weddings. To summarize this episode, leadership is by definition influence, the ability to get others to follow you. So our role as leaders of our family goes beyond the authoritative use of consequences. It makes kids want to follow the example of their dad. And a leader's influence is almost always determined by the quality of his relationship with his followers. Fatherhood is no different. As we continue to study God's role as our Heavenly Father, we observe that God is a welcoming Father with wide open arms, which means we need to make sure our kids know that they are a priority over work for us, that their fathers are sinners saved by grace alone, and that they are precious to us. We observe that God takes the initiative to build his relationship with us, which we should emulate. And finally, we saw Jesus leaning on the Father for support in the garden and noted that both our encouraging words and emotional presence are needed to provide support for our children. For further prayerful thought, number one, Why does it make sense to you that a person's influence in another person's life depends on the quality of his relationship with that other person? See the show notes for additional questions. The past episode highlight this week is Season 1, Episode 33 from June 21st, 2020, entitled responding to the argument that the Bible teaches patriarchy. Today's podcast, as all podcasts are, is available in printed format on my website, forgingbonds.org. Next week, we continue our series, Lord Help Me Be a Great Dad, with the final episode entitled, Great Dads Equip Their Kids for Life. Thanks for listening today. If this podcast has been helpful to you, Don't forget to tell other Christian men about a podcast that helps them stay focused on their mission from Christ by inspiring them each week while they commute or work out.